Good morning, Metalheads. Welcome to another episode of The Synopsis. I'm your host, Jason, of The Detsillian Mind. I was hoping to uh, come out with my part two episode yesterday, featuring my critique of Metallica's second album, Ride the Lightning. However, I had a couple of issues with uh, recording the, the podcast, so... After three attempts, I gave up and uh, figured I'd try it again today, so we'll see how it goes today. So, um, kind of in similar fashion to a couple days ago when I did my critique of Kill 'em All, which is uh, Metallica's first album, I figured I would uh, jump back into the fray and uh, bring you the second album, one of my favorites in general. Um, but uh, definitely uh, a really good thrash or heavy metal album uh, for all listen, for, for all listeners uh, I would definitely have to say that it's probably you know pretty core to any metalheads uh, collection especially if you are a metalhead from the 80s and 90s that whole era of, um, of music so um, I know it's one of the albums I one of the first albums I went and got definitely in the top, or the first five that I uh, went and bought. Then again, I'm pretty sure that most of the albums, the, the top five or the first ten or whatever are Metallica albums, because Metallica was pretty much the uh, um, it was the, the, the band that really got me into heavy metal, and still keeps me uh, engaged in heavy metal uh, even today. Uh, albeit not quite as uh, active as I used to be, uh, the last, uh, I want to say about 10 years or so, I've really kind of, uh, you know, wandered away from music and my uh, adoration for metal, all things metal, but uh, hopefully here I'll be able to start uh, drawing it back in and uh, getting back into it a little bit more, catch up on what I've missed. Uh, a good way to do that is just kind of sit down and kind of go through some of these classics, uh, especially given that uh, yesterday was Ride the Lightning's 39th anniversary. So, got a double header here between Kill 'em All and Ride the Lightning uh, between their 40th and 39th anniversaries, respectively. Uh, definitely a dynamic duo, in my opinion. Um, so, Ride the Lightning. It came out, like I mentioned, July 27th, 1984, 39 years ago. The lineup is still the same. We still have uh, James Hetfield as vocals and uh, rhythm guitar. We still have Kirk Hammett as the lead guitarist. We still have Lars Ulrich on the drums, and we still have Cliff Burton on bass. Kind of the, uh, the classic uh, combo right there. Um, that really made the band especially what it is today you know that was kind of like their their core foundational group um, that really set the stage for things to come I think so four is still there in uh, Ride the Lightning there you will see uh, Dave Mustaine's name pop up here and there um, the way I kind of look at Ride the Lightning is it's kind of a cross between um, Kill 'em All and their third album, which I will uh, get into next month, uh, Master of Puppets. 
it's kind of like a, um, a crossover, if you will. It's kind of, uh, you know, the, you can kind of see the, just the lyrical and the musical differences between their first and third album. And I think that that bridge is gapped pretty nicely in the, uh, the second album here, Ride the Lightning. Um, and I think what I'll do is I will start off with the overall album critique first and then get into the individual songs. Uh, for their first album, their debut album, I did at the end, but today I want to do it at the beginning because of that contrast, that, that, that bridging effect that I noticed from the first to this album and then to the third album. Um, and so, when it comes to Ride the Lightning in, in general as an album, it, uh, it does have a far more darker foreboding tone or, or tune to it. Um, it's still very thrashy, it's still very fast, there is still a little bit of grit in there, but it's a lot more refined, a lot more melodic, I think. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's really, if you if you sit back and, and listen to it in contrast to uh, um, their first album, Kill Em All, you can, you can definitely see how, you can, you can, you can de basically definitely see how the band is maturing. Uh, but the, the lyrical concepts are still there. Um, Ride the Lightning is still a very um, lyrically charged album centered around death, which is kind of a stereotypical uh, topic to discuss, or to discuss in the, uh, the metal world. You know, like I said last uh, episode, you know, the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll type of attitude. Um, that's Kind of, that you know, it's still kind of there, um, you know, all three of them. But at the same token, I think it's a lot more refined. There's a lot more thought that's put into their lyrics, even though it is dealing with death, um, or at least very dark, uh, foreboding, you know, themes. But I think it's done in a much more articulate and a much better way than their first album. Just, it, it, it's, a, it's a little bit more mature sound to it. And to be honest, from my opinion, from my perspective, I also think that what the band is doing in this case is kind of dipping their toes into, you know, becoming political about certain things, or at least, you know, hinting at what their political leanings are for a particular subject. Whereas before, in Kill Em All, you don't really see that. You, you might get a slight hint of it in um, one of their songs on Kill Em All, where I kind of mentioned how they, you know, they, they kind of bring up the idea of um, not caring about the lives that they've ruined which could be construed as kind of like a take or a, uh, um, a ridicule of, you know, the war machine, war profiteers, mercenaries, stuff like that. So when I did my little quick critique about uh, No Remorse, you know, in a way, I could kind of see that kind of just on the surface, you know, just starting to uh, break the plane of the surface of the water, of the, of the lyrics there, and of just the band in general. They're, they're just getting their toes wet when it comes to uh, 
putting their two cents worth in when it comes to social or political issues that they uh, think that's important to discuss. So uh, I think they kind of took that with no remorse and kind of, I guess, criticizing the the war industry and the the war profiteers. Even if the song No Remorse is about, you know, just the average person who's just really jingoistic and, and uh, a warmonger. Um, still, there is that those undertones in that song that suggest it could also be applied towards the war profiteers and throwing criticism their way. Um, and so, I think they kind of springboarded off of that into Ride the Lightning. And they refined, they matured, they became more thoughtful in how they wanted to articulate through song what it was they were trying to discuss when it came to the subject of death. Because that is a recurring theme with a lot of these songs that you see on Ride the Lightning. Is it's, it's focused around death, you know, how, how we as humans deal with death, you know, as well as just the, the emotional rush the, 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 the wide range of emotions that we get when we are put into situations that could be, lead to our demise. And so, uh, that's what I do appreciate about Ride the Lightning. You know, it's, you know, yeah, it's still a very dark topic to be discussing, just death in general. But, you know, to be honest, it's a it's a natural part of life. We're all going to have to face it. We're all going to have to look down that barrel at some point in our life. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, even though the band members admittedly said that they were obsessed with death at the time, I still think that it's, you know, it's still a noteworthy, it's still an important topic to discuss in all of its various uh, circumstances. So, um, the overall rating that I give the album it's great, if you will. I'm like, once again, going back to that 4.0 high school GPA scale that they like to use. I'm giving it a 3.25. Once again, this is based off of the rankings or the grades I give each individual song on its own merit. And then I just calculate up the average, and that's roughly what I will do. I might adjust it a little bit for uh, some of the other things. So in, in all honesty, I could bump it up to like 3.5 or close to 4. Um, but I do think that 3.25 uh, GPA, if you will, on this uh, particular album is pretty is pretty decent. Like I said before in the last episode, a three means I like it. Two means I'm indifferent. Um, which kind of makes sense if you look at my uh, overall critique of Kill 'Em All, their first album. I think I gave it a 2.3 and. Sure enough, I was just slightly above indifferent. There were a couple songs on there that I liked, but overall I was more indifferent to that album. And the contrast, as you'll soon see, with Ride the Lightning is coming in at 3.25, almost a whole point ahead of the Metallica's first album. It's I, I do like overall I like the album. I I will I could listen to it, you know. I remember doing long road trips that I'd pop the CD in back in the day when cars still had uh, CD players and uh, or cassette players. Yes, I'm that old. Um, but uh, 
I would go through my whole Metallica collection, you know, practically in a day, just pounding out some of the beats, you know, and and uh, just really enjoying my drive, you know. So um, it's definitely an album that I can sit down and listen to. I've listened to it three or four times in the whole process of going through and coming up with a critique for this album, as I did with their first album, and as I'm sure I will do with their uh, subsequent albums in following months. So um, it is definitely an album I enjoy, let's put it that way. Uh, and to be honest, uh, I'll give you kind of a quick uh, hint here. There are no songs that come in at one or below zero. Uh, there's no song, they're all two or better. And there's only two songs that are ranked two on this album. And they're the two least popular songs of the album, which kind of tells you exactly what, uh, you know, is being said about the album, what has been said about the album over the decades. It's a very solid album. You know, their hits are hits for a reason. And the songs that don't make it into hits or aren't played frequently during their live concerts, you understand why, you know? So that, that's the nice thing about Metallica, I think, especially with their earlier stuff, is you can understand very quickly why certain songs are hits and some of them just are filler on an, al on a, 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 an album, on a, or on a recording. Um, I'm indifferent to two songs. Doesn't mean I don't like them, but doesn't mean I'm gonna pop in uh, a CD or load up YouTube and go right to that song and start jamming to it, you know? So, anyway, without further ado, I figured I would uh, jump into my rating, my critique of some of the songs. Uh, the first one on the list, uh, according to the uh, record listing, is Fight Fire with Fire. This is a song written by James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, and Cliff Burton. And the quick synopsis behind this song is, it's really just kind of speaking about from my opinion, the idiocy or the the the, the damning um, quality or the, the damning uh, outcome that would be the concept, the political concept of mutually assured destruction. So, really, what the song is talking about is just the idea that uh, we will fight fire with fire. We will return unto others that which was done to us. Um, and it's kind of what the whole nuclear arms race during the Cold War was built around, was this idea, this concept that um, we need to basically nuke the world into oblivion if so much as one person from the other side coughs on the little magical red button, you know. Um, so... That, that's really what it's about. It's just like the, the, the hubris, I would have to say, more of humanity. That we would rather just mutually destroy each other with weapons that would destroy this world ten times over. And that that seems to be a quote-unquote rational concept to hold amongst nuclear powers in, on, you know, in this world. Uh, national or these countries that 
had the ability to, to rain down bombs on everyone and ruin it for everybody, all for their own political whims. So, um, that in my, in a nutshell is what it's about. It's about mutually assured destruction, that political concept or practice. It's also kind of pointing out the, the, the grim reality of what it actually is. That, that's kind of my opinion, my critique of it. What do I rank it? I rank it actually a four. This is one of my, it's, it's a favorite song of mine. I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite because I haven't made my top ten list yet, but it's a, it's a favorite. It's definitely one of those songs that I will go to whenever I put Ride the Lightning, the album, on. And luckily enough for me, it's really easy to find because it's track number one. So I start off the album right with a number four on my list. I really enjoy it. And um, I think, I don't know if it's maybe gone up in these last couple of decades since high school and college. I think it has gone up. Um, not because I'm somebody who gets excited over the, the idea of just nuclear destruction, but I think because of just the, the grim reality that the song kind of amplifies when you're listening to it. You know, it's like, this is dire crap, you know? They, they have the doomsday clock for a reason, and they keep telling us that we're two minutes to midnight, you know? And so, I think that, you know, there's a reason why this song is very powerful, why it, it's written the way it is, and why it's endured the test of time, and why, I think, in my opinion, it's gone up in my rankings from what I would consider it to be a three in the past, you know? It, a couple decades ago when I was in high school and college, um, now it's a four because I think it's looking a little grimmer, you know, things are not looking better for us as compared to back then. The second track listing on the album is the, the album title itself, the song Ride the Lightning, and really what this song is about is a frenzy of emotions, fear, anger, confusion, rage, acceptance, uh, in a way some serenity behind being damned to the death penalty. In the case of Ride the Lightning, the electric chair, and basically the person is kind of going through like a very haunting experience, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're going through all these emotions about realizing that their life is about to come to end via the electric chair. And deep down, they know, they, they, they just not only feel, but they know deep down they are innocent of whatever the crime is that they've been um, convicted of. They know deep down that they are innocent. They feel that they are being uh, misjudged mistreated, and so there's a whole flurry of, of emotions that are also backed with some really great musical um, additions to it, the guitars, the drums, I mean everything is just kind of built around amplifying the emotions that you can conjure up from those sounds, as well as from the lyrics that are offered in the song. And at the end, 
you can take it two ways. You can take it that he is now finally awoken from his dream, literally, that all these emotions, all of this, you know, foreboding dark energy that's swirling around this individual, you can take it quite literally that at the end he wakes up from this frightening dream and he wakes up from sleep and it's just a nightmare. Or you can take it in a different path, a much more allegorical path, and you can say that it wasn't a dream. This guy actually got fried, and now he is being relieved from the nightmare that was the life, the uh, just the actual um, experience of going through the whole process of uh, getting prepped and ready for the, for the electric chair. And now that the process is finally over, he's moved on to the afterlife, and now he is free from that the frightening dream that is living in that reality, I guess. Um, either way, how you choose to define how that song ends, it is still a very emotionally charged and very powerful song, I think. And I, to be honest, I think it's them kind of throwing hints out there, too, that they are perhaps against the, the death penalty. You know, anti-capital punishment uh, when it comes to the death penalty. So, uh, I think there's those political undertones in there as well. This song is written by James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, Cliff Burton, and once again, Dave Mustaine. So, you see some of the uh, lingering influences of Dave Mustaine on the band in Ride the Lightning, carrying over from... Uh, their, their debut album. This song is a little grittier and it does kind of remind me a little bit more of Kill Em All. And if I remember correctly, I think this is one of those songs that was originally supposed to be on their debut album, but they decided not to put it on there. Instead, make it as the uh, front runner for the album title itself. And uh, kind of mesh it in with this more uh, refined version that they have now in Ride the Lightning. I give this song a 3. Um, I imagine it was probably ranked a little bit higher earlier, earlier on in my uh, metalhead career when I was in high school and college. Definitely college, I'd probably say it was probably up there quite a bit. Um, I do like it for its, its political undertones and kind of being against the death penalty. Uh, but now I think it's kind of dropped down the list a little bit. Um, but who knows? Maybe it'll pop back up there down the road uh, depending on how things go. So, uh, Ride the Lightning comes in at a ranking of three for me. Moving on to the third song, it's For Whom the Bell Tolls, written by Hetfield, Burton, and Ulrich. And it's one of those war song uh, songs that they have. Very dark, very reminiscent of like a, a Black Sabbath or Ozzy or some of those older 70s and 80s rock into metal bands. Um, like I said, Black Sabbath, uh, Iron Maiden even. It, it's, um, it's got a, a real thunderous you know, beat to it, just a real boom, boom, you know, it's 
definitely uh, trying to imitate the the rapid beating of the heart in such a uh, um, chaotic environment that would be a, a middle of a battlefield. And really, it just kind of, for my opinion, echoes the the haunting realization that soldiers have that they are going and they're they're putting their lives on the line for something that could be as basic as a hill, a piece of land, you know, uh, territory. And at the end, it kind of goes to the point of this soldier or these group of soldiers realizing on the battlefield as they're fighting and then eventually dying that their lives are basically thrown away. That they were basically just cannon fodder for somebody else's uh, selfish, selfish whims and that their lives, their longevity didn't really matter. You know, basically going back to, you know, playing politics, you know, and, and putting people's lives on the line over politics. You know, and it can be seen, I think, as a an anti-war song, kind of speaking against warfare, even if it's at the same time trying to um, not really glorify, but at least bring honor to soldiers, you know, that they're going out there, they're putting themselves in a very peculiar life-threatening situation and doing it even if they feel uncomfortable about it, even if they don't agree with it, and even if they come to the realization when it's too late that they are being used and that their own personal reasons for why they were fighting weren't being amplified or exemplified by the body, the military body that is the, uh, the country's military. Um, that sent them off to die for a hill or a piece of land or a building or whatever. So um, that's kind of my take on it, on For Whom the Bell Tolls. It's, it's a very popular song. I rank it a four. And I, I think that it's just very dark, ominous, especially given like the the, the constant beat that's in there. The... the, 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 uh, the the towing of the bell that's in there that gives ominous to the uh, the name of the song itself um, is really supposed to just really come out there and uh, amplify the just the darkness behind it. warfare and how soldiers off, more often than not come to the grim reality as to what's going on and just the, the horror behind it Number fourth, or number four on the list, uh, the track list anyway, of Ride the Lightning is the song Fade to Black, written by Hetfield, Hammett, Ulrich, and Burton, the whole crew. Once again, this is a song that I rank number four, and it's very uh, melancholy. It's a very, it's a slower song at certain points. It also gets faster, but it's it's more of like a ballad. It's like, you know, an ode, if you will. Um, very melancholy, dark, sad, sorrowful. And it 
is about experiencing some sort of a tragic event and then just not having the will to carry on, to, to just give up. And in some instances, as mentioned by the band members, it was kind of a, uh, you know, it could also kind of bring in certain suicidal tones that somebody would have as they develop depression from dealing with such traumatic events that they they witnessed or they, they experienced. Uh, in the case of the band itself, it was about some of their equipment being stolen and them not feeling like they had the ability to recover from it, especially financially. A lot of their equipment was stolen and they didn't know if they could financially recover from it. And the band members were were, were, were saddened and, and, and sorrowful that they might have to give up and stop playing, that the band would have to uh, disband and that Metallica would be no more because they couldn't recover from it economically. And so that's kind of the background behind Fade to Black and why they wrote it. A very powerful song. A lot of other metal bands or just other bands in general cover it. You know, I think it's a very moving song. And in all actuality, um, there is a cover by another more uh, melodic band, symphonic band, a metal band. I'm not sure exactly how you would... uh, Describe it, but they're kind of in the same genre as Nightwish, as being more of like a melodic heavy metal band. Um, they cover it, and I actually like their version of it better than Metallica's. Um, but uh, still, a really powerful song. I really like it. I think that it speaks to a very basic, a very natural or, or common feeling or emotion experience that we all as humans face where there's something that is so tragic that happens in our lives that we just feel like, you know what, this is the end. I'm just going to give up and stop trying. Or unfortunately, some people, you know, might feel or come up with the even darker emotions, you know, of, of deep depression or suicidal tendencies, you know. And it's uh, it's a very, uh, I think it's a dark but yet moving song of, about human emotion and just the, the struggles that we face, you know. Um, and that's why I rank it so high at number four. It's one of my favorites. Uh, next up is the song Trapped Under Ice by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett. I rank this one at two. It's the one of the lower-ranked songs of the album. I'm indifferent towards it. Um, I think it has a really nice tune to it. It's just, I don't know, it's just something about it where it just doesn't really pop off with me like some of the other songs do. And Trapped Under Ice is just exactly that. It's the frantic, you know, emotional behavior. It's the the panic of being trapped under ice. Whether it's you fall into a lake during the winter, and now you're frantically trying to find that hole that you fell through so you can climb back out again. Or it's, you know, you being trapped in a block of ice, you know, kind of like how the stereotypical like caveman was back during the ice age, you know, just the fear of freezing over and turning into a big human icicle, a big human ice pop, uh, and just frantically trying to figure out a way to break free from your, uh, your Arctic prison. 
Uh, like I said, it's, a, it's I rank it a two. Uh, I'm not going to turn the song off if it pops up on a randomized playlist. But it's not one I'm, I'm going active, to actively go and uh, try to listen to if I pop in my uh, old school Red Lightning CD or cassette tape. Same thing goes for the sixth song on the album, Escape. Once again written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett. It's I rank it a number two. And it is basically about living your life the way you want to live it and not by the expectations or the demands of others. And even though I do like the... the uh, the concept or the, uh, um, the the lyrical concept, uh, the meaning behind it, I just think it, was, it wasn't the, the greatest in terms of executing the song. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think I read that the band also doesn't like the song, so they never play it live. So I think they kind of even recognize that it's just kind of half-assed, uh, that they could do better. Um, Probably, they. I, I would think it's safe to say that they did do better in the songs Motor Breath and Whiplash from the previous songs. Um, but definitely Motor Breath, you know. I think they did a better job of this song or this, this topic in general when they did uh, Motor Breath. But uh, once again, I'm indifferent towards it, hence the, the two ranking. I'm not going, I might not hit the skip button if it pops up randomly on a, uh, on a random playlist, on a shuffled playlist, but uh, who knows, it, it kind of depends on this song. Uh, I'm indifferent towards it, uh, sometimes I'll just listen to it just because it's been a while since I've heard the song, other times I'll just, you know, hit the skip button. Either way, I rank it a 2. The seventh song on the album is the infamous Creeping Death song, written by Hetfield, Ulrich, Burton, and Hammock. I ranked this one a three. Uh, it was was ranked a four back in the day when I was in high school and college. I thought the song was great. I loved it. Um, the song is basically about the angel of death from the Bible kind of stopping in and uh, primarily covering the uh, the last and final plague that the angel, that that God of the Bible brought upon the Egyptians, creeping across the land and, and uh, taking out all the firstborn uh, sons in, in Egypt. Um, the, the song also does talk about a bunch of other... Uh, some of the other uh, plagues that came upon Egypt, according to the Bible, but uh, it primarily highlights the, the final plague that uh, was brought upon them. Um, like I said, it's I think it's a great song. It's it's I you know I, I like it. I rank it a three. Uh, I just don't like it for the uh, religious undertones to it. You know I'm just you know whatever. You know you're doing the plagues of Egypt. Okay, cool, whatever. You know, um, I don't know. I just, it's kind of lost its touch a little bit over time. I still like the song. I still think it's great music. I think the lyrics are still really good. It's just, you know, it's kind of lost its, some of its touch on me. So I'm not too terribly uh, into it uh, as much as I was before. 
Uh, it is still a staple of a lot of their album or a lot of their live concerts. So they, you will hear them play it quite frequently. It's a big time fan favorite. Can't blame them for it. You know, it's it's a really great song, but it just doesn't make it into uh, one of my favorites. So unfortunately, it's kind of dropped down the listing as of late, back down to a uh, three. Um, but I will still definitely listen to it. Um, if it pops up on my playlist. And then the last number eight on the track listing of Ride the Lightning is the instrumental titled The Call of Cthulhu. Written by Hetfield, Mustaine, Burton, primarily Burton, and Ulrich. I rank this one a four. Um, especially when it comes to instrumentals that the band has come out with in their first four albums. It's just stellar. Um, the only one that I have not ranked a four, or probably will, didn't rank a four, is the first one, uh, The Anesthesia Pulling Teeth, from their album that I covered uh, a couple days ago. Call of Cthulhu, very awesome instrumental. It's very dark, foreboding. I mean, it, it kind of sums up this whole album, I think. Just very, very, very dark, you know. It's got that haunting you know, like, surreal vibe to it. Especially since it's about Cthulhu, that horrific underwater creature that just lurks in the in the darkest depths of, of our imagination. And I think that this song and the, the resemblance of it and the instrumental bringing it into sound is the perfect metaphor for not only album, but some of the, 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 the darkest fears in our life, you know, is that, that, that dark creature that lurks somewhere in the, in the, uh, the background, and this instrumental really just hits the nail on the head in capturing that vibe, and, uh, um, I can't say if this one is my favorite song on the album, but it's definitely, it's definitely in the running. If it's not uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, uh, if it's not Fade to Black, then it has to be uh, Call of Cthulhu. Great instrumental. They did a uh, remake of it on SNM, which was their, their live album that featured an orchestra in the background. And uh, definitely amplified the awesomeness that is this song tenfold. But even without that live edition, Call of Cthulhu on the original studio album is just, it's, it's stellar. I think it's, it is awesome. It could definitely, uh, it, could, it should definitely be used for more uh, soundtracks for movies. They don't utilize it enough, especially some of the... Uh, um, the darker uh, themed movies like uh, Event Horizon uh, definitely has a really great um, sound to it. Definitely recommend it. So um, that's really all I have for uh, this episode of the synopsis. You know, I I definitely think that uh, Ride the Lightning is a staple of heavy metal. Uh, should be in everybody's collection if they are a heavy metal fan. 
It has aged extremely well. And it's definitely an album with a bunch of great songs that I will listen to as much as I can. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this episode of The Detailing Mind. Hope you're enjoying the synopsis of Metallica so far. And I hope you stick around for even more of the episodes to come. As I go through, I'm going to try to go through all of them, but at the very least, I'm going to try to get up through Death Magnetic, and I think they have a couple more albums after that that uh, I have not listened to yet uh, to date. So um, stay tuned for some of those. We've got some more classics coming up in the next couple months, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know re-listening to those albums again kind of re-experiencing them for the, you know, for the first time since it's been some, quite a bit of time since I've listened to them. So thanks for tuning in. Um, look forward to uh, chatting with you again on another episode of The Synopsis. Until then, enjoy your week.